This is Lowell Jackson, and we call this time together uh, each day on Wave 94 Fellowship. And what we want to experience is the mysterious, dynamic, yet very experiential flow of life. Very similar to what it describes in Revelation 22, chapter 1, when uh, Paul said that God showed him indicating that uh, he, we need an unveiling, we need a vision, we need a view. He said that God showed him the throne, and out of the throne was the river, not with water only, but the water of life flowing, and uh, down the street, in the middle of the street. So what we want to experience is being on that street, taking God's way, enjoying that flow, and being under his authority on the throne. And uh, I want to share with you a couple things today that I think are very, very practical that will help us to experience the life of God in the moment that we're in and not just be waiting around for some later on experience or some uh, eternity. But God wants to be enjoyed by us now. He wants us to experience him now. Now, how would you an answer this question? Why did the Lord Jesus come? Why did God become a man? I think many, especially evangelical Christians, would answer, well, he came to uh, save us from our sins. Well, of course, that is not a wrong answer. But what if we asked Jesus that answer? How did he answer that question in the Gospels? Um. He said in uh, John 5.40 to the Bible scholars, You are not willing to come to me that you may have life. And then in John 10.10, 10, he made it even more clearly. He said, I have come that you might have life and that you may have it abundantly. And of course, those of you that have been listening before know that in the original language, the word for L-I-F-E is very specific in the New Testament. There are several words that describe very different kinds of life. Unfortunately, in English, we use the same word for bird life, for plant life, for human life, for divine life. But not so in the scriptures. It is much more specific and much more encouraging and much more enlightening. Um, this is very much related to resurrection, which again is probably something that we have extremely limited in our view of what resurrection is. Most of the time, I believe we believers think that resurrection is an event. Well, it happened to Jesus, uh, it happened to my Aunt Tilly, uh, and it's going to happen to me one day. It's an event. Um, but you know what? If we look at the scriptures simply and purely and transparently, we see that uh, resurrection is far more than just an event. Uh, Paul said, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, he said, I want to experience the power of resurrection. And he wasn't waiting till he died to experience that power. He said, I want to know 
And he uses the word know there to mean experientially, not know about, but to experience different kind of knowing. I want to know the power of resurrection. That was in his daily living, whether he was preaching the gospel, ministering to the churches, locked up in a jail cell, going through a shipwreck. He was wanting to experience the power of resurrection. So resurrection is not just an event. It's, it's a power to be enjoyed, to be experienced right now. But also it's a process. Um, we are going through a process that we could call resurrection. It says in Ephesians chapter uh, 5, I believe it is, the first five verses, that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. Well, we weren't dead physically. We weren't dead psychologically. We still could think and feel and make choices. Only thing left is our spirit. We were dead spiritually. So what happened, of course, in our new birth is that we got enlivened. We could very accurately, I believe, use the same word. We got resurrected in our spirit. Our human spirit got raised from the dead and made alive, made a functioning part of our being. And it goes on. The Lord doesn't want to stop with just resurrecting our our dead and human spirit. He is continuing to renew us in other parts of our being, wanting us to have a renewed mind. What's new? (laughs) Resurrection is about as new as you can get. Um, So there's a process going on. And eventually, of course, uh, it will happen with other parts of our being. But resurrection is not only a power, not only a process, but if you read um, John chapter 11, verse 25, the Lord Jesus said something very shocking to me and takes us out of our concepts, out of our traditional kind of thinking that resurrection is some kind of event. The Lord Jesus said in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. What does this mean? Here the Lord is saying the resurrection is a person, and he is that person. If we know him, and the more we know him, the better. If we know him, we are in resurrection process. It has begun. And like it says in 1 John, he who has the Son has the Zoe life. Uh, Let's break this down a little more. I hope you're seeing the resurrection is a power, it's a process, and it's a person. Let's look at it from these different kinds of life in the New Testament. We know that uh, one kind of uh, word that's translated life in the Greek New Testament is bios. We get our word biology from it, and it's the, the study these biology is, of uh, a physical life. The reason we have a body is so that we can experience the physical realm. Well, what does God have to do with that? Um, According to Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, our body is going through a resurrecting process because it has been poisoned and deadened 
by the injection of sin. And sin dwells in our body. So our body is actually doomed. Sorry to break it to you, but if you're already past around 20 years of age, your body is going downhill. Now, I personally believe that people who uh, take care of themselves don't have the tension uh, because we have peace with God can, can live a little longer. But still, the body has its limits. We are not going to be able to extend it forever. And as the word said, we all have an appointment. It is appointed unto man once to die. And that's the curse of sin. But our body still is going through an enlivening process, according to the word. You can get into this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, where Paul is dealing with this whole matter of resurrection, especially verses 22, 23, 51, and 52, talk about how we are going through a resurrection process. And um, God has enlivened our spirit, as we said. He is continuing to enliven our soul, and eventually he will give us instantaneously a brand new body and the full salvation will be complete. Now, how do you cooperate with this physically? Well, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says to present your body. Present your body. Why would it say that? Because Romans at that point is going into the practicality of all the high truths that have been discussed in the first 11 chapters and getting into the practical, local aspect of living the Christian life. And of course, our body is just the package that contains our person as well as now contains the Lord in our spirit. So what do we do with our body? A lot of times it doesn't want to cooperate. Uh, On the Lord's Day morning, it wants to sleep in. It doesn't want to go to that uh, prayer meeting. Had a long, tiring day. But we, as Paul said, we buffet the body. We uh, make it behave. We push it. As uh, Paul is certainly a great example of that. So we cooperate with the Lord physically by presenting our body. How about the middle part of us? The Greek word for that kind of life is uh, suke. Uh, We get our word psychology, of course. From it, it means the soul. It's the psychological uh, part of us that allows us to experience the psychological realm, the feeling, the uh, thinking, and the choicing, making uh, use of our will because we're made in God's image. He has feelings. He has a will. Uh, He has uh, thoughts. And how do we cooperate with that? Well, First of all, we need to see what God is doing in our soul. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says that the mind needs to be renewed. It got old in the fall. And God can renew our mind. It uh, thinks too much oldness, lives in the old creation, uh, is plagued by death. And so God wants to renew our mind. Well, how do we cooperate with that? Well, according to Romans 8, chapter 6, we can set our mind. And as we talked on this program before, your, um, your, your will is, is very much like um, the remote control 
many of uh, people have cable systems that allow hundreds of channels. Well, our mind is like a TV screen with all kinds of things popping up, showing on it. We need to use our will to set the mind and uh, turn the channel, cooperate with God, turn from a, a dart of the enemy, Turn from something negative the enemy wants to inject. Turn from uh, a stimuli that is coming from this evil age and set our mind on the spirit. Then the word says there's life. That's Zoe, of course, the divine life. And there's peace. Releases us from the anxiety that characterizes this age. The third uh, aspect of our experiencing this uh, divine life this resurrection power, this resurrection process, and this resurrection person is the Greek word zoe, which means specifically the life of God. It's as different from human life as bird life is from plant life. Um, it has to do with our human spirit and uh, the, the realm that we can experience through our spirit is, this, of course, the spiritual realm. And according to Colossians chapter 3, verse 4, there's a, um, a wonderful new power plant. This power plant is a person. Colossians 3, 4 says, Christ our life. Christ our life. It's not that we're trying to live a certain kind of behavior, but we are knowing a person in us as life. Now, how can we cooperate with this? Well, Hebrews chapter 4, verse um, 16, I believe it is, says we need to come forward. Come forward. Could that mean we've slipped backward? Come forward to the throne of grace. And um, for us believers, it's not a throne of judgment. It's a throne of grace where we can find timely help. What does that mean? Well, it's not theoretical help. It's help in the moment. It's timely help. What we need in a particular moment, if we will just come forward, Lord, I come to you. I'm turning from everything else coming to you. And also, another way we can cooperate is in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Um, the Apostle Paul admonishes his uh, young uh, believer, his follower, his faithful helper, Timothy, to fan the gift of God within you. Fan it into flame. What's the gift of God within you? It's your regenerated spirit. It's where God has come in Christ as the spirit to dwell. And we can fan it just like you uh, building a campfire. You start with a little flicker and you fan it to make it into a flame. Well, we can take the, the pilot light in our human spirit it's been regenerated. And by turning to the Lord, calling on the Lord, worshiping the Lord in that particular moment, even if you're at a stoplight on Capitol Circle, you can come forward to the throne of grace and enjoy the, the Lord there. You can fan your spirit into flame. Um, the other ways that um, we can cooperate with the Lord is learning to proceed step by step in our life according to the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 talks about walking by the Spirit. Well, of course, that doesn't mean you go to Lake Ella and take a walk, and that's the only time you can be in the Spirit. 
This means, of course, that in the smallest unit of progress, which is one step at a time, our daily life, how we treat our family members, how we operate in business, how we drive, how we do everything. We have to be disciples who are learning to do every step by the Spirit. It does take practice, but we can cooperate with God's operating by choosing to do so. So I hope this is uh, helpful. We've been sharing on experiencing life because the Lord Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. And he's not rationing it out in skinny little portions. He says, I want you to have this Zoe divine life in abundance, in abundance. And I want to offer all of our listeners a uh, Wave 94, just a really a, a special opportunity. It's absolutely free. Now, can you think of very many things that are free? Even water is not free anymore. I pay every month for my Leon County water or wherever it's coming from. So far, air is still free, but very few things are genuinely free. Well, somebody's already paid for you to get this very special gift, and it's called the knowledge of life. And it takes this topic of life and looks at our need to possess and experience God's life, which is necessary not only for our our meaningful human life, but it's necessary for God's purpose. We cannot achieve God's purpose with our natural fallen life. And the author here takes the shows us the path that leads to life. That, of course, begins with the regeneration or what we call the new birth or being born again. And then it advances to learning how to go by the inward sense of this life. So it provides a, um, a foundation for the genuine experience of Christ as life within us. Um, I'm going to read you just quickly some of the chapters in it. What is life? What's the experience of life? Uh, what is the sense of life? What's the fellowship of life? How do we sense the Spirit and know the Spirit? What's the difference between the Spirit and the soul? Um, what's the law of life? How do we know life inwardly? What's the growth of life? What is the difference between light and life? Well, the name of the book is The Knowledge of Life. You can actually start reading it right now online uh, while you request your hard copy to be sent to you. Both are absolutely free. If you'd like a copy of The Knowledge of Life, go to bfa.org. That's bfa.org. BFA stands for Bibles for America. They will send you one free, and you can start even reading it right there online. Now, our dear brother um, Doug Apple is going to take us away. We'll be right back in just a moment with uh, some uh, enjoyable proceedings here. Stay tuned. more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. 
Romans chapter 5, verse 17. The life that we have received does not merely save us from a few things. Rather, it enthrones us as kings to reign over all things. We have received righteousness objectively, but we still need to continually receive the abundance of grace so that we can reign in life subjectively. This reigning is the issue not of our endeavoring, but of our receiving the abundance of grace. Scripture and Commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version, published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit recoveryversion.org. To receive your free copy of the Recovery Version, call Bibles for America at 1-888-551-0102. That number again is 1-888-551-0102. Or you can visit the Bibles for America website at www.biblesforamerica.org. Again, that's www.biblesforamerica.org. Hi, my name is Penny, and I meet with the church in Tallahassee. In Ezekiel 44, there's a unique phrase that says, You shall come near to me to minister to me. And it also says that the basis for the ministry to the Lord, the basic requirement for ministering to the Lord, is to draw near to the Lord. That no one can minister to Him without drawing near to Him. No one can minister to the Lord without approaching Him in prayer. Spiritual power is not the power of preaching, but the power of praying. How much you pray indicates how much inner strength you really possess. No spiritual matter requires more strength than prayer. If you would like to pray with a group in your neighborhood of twos or threes and pray with us, 850-692-9558. We meet in small groups for prayer all over Tallahassee, and we welcome you. 850-692-9558. This is Lowell Jackson with a a very special invitation and opportunity for you. So pay attention, please. You've heard us talk a lot on Wave 94 about Tallahassee Christian College and Training Center, how it is available to all believers who just want to grow in the Lord, enjoy the Lord more, and get more into His Word. Well, there's an open house coming up. You are welcome. Just stop by in the afternoon on Tuesday, December the 10th, 4.30 until 6.30. As they say, just drop in. Uh, You'll meet many of the very accommodating staff members of the college. Some of the instructors will be there. You can uh, walk around and see the facilities. You can stroll through the probably the best theological biblical library in this part of the country and uh, ask any questions that you want. Be some refreshments, a great opportunity for you to just look into the possibilities for you at Tallahassee Christian College and Training Center. That'll be Tuesday, December 10 at 430 It's located on Hermitage Boulevard, 1717 Hermitage Boulevard. That's my favorite shortcut between Thomasville Road and Capitol Circle just before you get to I-10. 1717 Hermitage Boulevard, Tuesday, December 10. Very, very accommodating, easy way for you to uh, look into Tallahassee Christian College and Training Center and see if it may be for you. So as they say down south, 
y'all come. This is Lowell Jackson, and we call this time on Wave 94 Fellowship. Um, thank you, Doug, for making it so easy for us to uh, just get together and fellowship as believers in Christ. You know, in previous uh, programs, I confessed my shortcomings as being a very lousy student of history in college, not realizing any significance to the dates and the places and the people that I was memorizing just to pass the test. Um, I think uh, many of us might have the same kind of uh, minimal appreciation of our Christian history. And I uh, shared in a previous program how I was trying to uh, realize and appreciate more and more our forefathers, our predecessors in the faith, those had gone before us, not only those that we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament, which is, of course, a wonderful multi-century history of uh, God's people journeying through the, their human life on this planet. But, um, you know, even in the last few centuries, there have been some fascinating stories. So I, I want to just do something here that's uh, not original with me, but we'll, I hope you'll enjoy it. Uh, one of the icons of radio um, was a newscaster by the name of Paul Harvey. And I must confess, I'm borrowing this idea from him. But Paul Harvey in his newscast used to um, have a little fun with his listeners by giving them a, a story, a true story of a uh, person or an incident, and uh, he wouldn't tell you who it was until the end, and uh, hoping that uh, as he gave you hints throughout the story, you might uh, guess who it was that he was talking about. And uh, at the end uh, of his uh, storytelling, again, accurate historical uh, storytelling, he would say, uh, and that's the rest of the story. So... Uh, we're going to borrow that, a little idea from our uh, our friend Paul Harvey, and I want to give you um, a story. It's it's a true story of one of uh, our predecessors as believers, and um, see if you can uh, guess who it is. And as you hear some of the clues and the tips in the story, gain some appreciation, some inspiration that we can take away as believers. Um. This uh, story actually took place uh, several centuries ago in England, and um, uh, a very young pastor who didn't really plan to be a pastor. He just loved God's word and wanted to speak it. He had no intention of being a, any kind of official clergyman. Um, but his friends came and warned him not to go to the place where he was going to speak because they were waiting for him. They warned him that... Uh, if he showed up and agreed to go through with his uh, speaking assignment, uh, he would be taken away. Well, as he began to speak, the constable broke into the meeting and actually interrupted a prayer that this uh, brother was praying and uh, later on, the brother would say, you know, I could have been a coward and not showed up. My friends warned me what was going to happen. 
I could have escaped. Uh, but he didn't. He went you know, right on into what was expected. The constable forced him to go from the, the meeting place and uh, allowed him to take only his Bible. Well, after two months, he was given a, a kind of a kangaroo trial. Um, and in the trial, the verdict was that he would be taken away from his church, taken away from his family, taken away from the job that he was actually uh, providing for his family with. And he was sentenced to 12 years in a cold cell, sleeping on a straw mat. And for 12 years, he was waiting either for exile, execution, or perhaps release. But during those 12 years, it was torture to be away from his young children and his wife and other sources of encouragement to him. But during those 12 years in prison, he started writing a book. And the book was about a journeying young Christian. In fact, he named this character in the book Christian. And for the next two centuries, this book that he wrote in prison would be the best-selling book in the English language. It came to be translated in 200 languages. So the, the point here is that uh, this book, written in 12 very unjust years in prison, touched people, whether they were scholars or little kids. And um, his father uh, had been a tinkler, a repair person of pots and pans, and uh, was not that available to the family. And this young man, before he became a Christian, this mysterious one whose name I haven't told you yet, uh, was planning to enter into the same uh, pots and pans repair kind of business, uh, lived a life of cursing and swearing and lying and blaspheming the name of God. But God laid his hand on him. God had mercy on him. And uh, this young man realized the load of sin and guilt that was on his back. And he was later to write that great sins draw out great grace. So as he became a believer, he wanted to tell and speak of the great grace of God. Once he was arrested, he was given an ultimatum that he needed to shut up, be quiet. If he would, he could return to his family, return to his young children, and provide for them. He refused to renounce the faith. He was imprisoned with expecting even potential exile. He, he wrote that he would stand up even to the last drop of blood. His decision wasn't an easy one because he wrote that from that jail, he missed his four young children and one of his young children was blind and his wife was alone. He was not allowed to um, make a decent living for them. 
although in prison, he made shoelaces for 12 years to try to get them some kind of support. He wrote from prison that Jesus Christ has never been more real, never been more apparent to me than now. I have seen him. I've felt him. Even preached the gospel to his inmates. And then he wrote this story, this allegory about a journey. And this journey is the way to glory. And from his jail cell, he found he sounded a trumpet that reached to the ears of the entire Western civilization and even eventually around the world, as I said, in 200 languages. This allegory that he wrote in these deplorable conditions is an adventure story. It's a journey of life and death from a city called Destruction to a new city called Celestial City. And he wrote that it's about life, 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 eternal life. That comes from page 14. And there's a cast of characters, some of whom do not endure to the end of the journey, and a few who do. And along the way in this journey, there are many enemies. But grace is all along the path, guarding uh, each of the steps. Well, maybe you've uh, guessed who this person is and what the name of the book is that he wrote during those 12 years. And I've just resolved that I'm going to give my grandson, who is a ferocious reader, unlike his grandfather, uh, a copy of this book in the very, very near future. Can you guess who it is? Well, the name of the person I've just told you about is John Bunyan. And the name of the book is Pilgrim's Progress. And uh, John Bunyan would be described for us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. He's one of those in the great cloud of witnesses. And it's, it says in Hebrews 11.4, even though he died, he still speaks. He still speaks. Do you think that John Bunyan would have ever written that allegory, that story of a young traveler named Christian, if he had been able to live a normal life with his family, having a job like you and I do, and in the moment that that was going on, it seemed like such an injustice. But God was able to take that injustice and turn it into something that touched people around the world. And as I said, as I said for two centuries, it was the number one selling book in the English language. And here we have... Uh, one of our predecessors. What's he doing today? Well, according to those verses in Hebrews chapter 11 and 12, he's urging, urging, urging 
us onward in our journey. Um, I hope that's, that's helpful. John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress. And as uh, our friend Paul Harvey would have said, uh, that's, that's the rest of the story. Well, I want to offer you a book uh, by uh, someone that um, this story re reminds me of very, very much. Um, this particular author um, was there at a crossroads in my life. I was very disillusioned with uh, traditional evangelical theology. And I picked up a copy of a used book in um, a bookstore. Probably paid 25 cents for it, paperback. And um, it caught my attention because it didn't promise super superlative, awesome, terrific prosperity and all this kind of other bestseller kind of attractions. Uh, the name of the book was The Normal Christian Life. And um, he went on to uh, write another book that um, called The Glorious Church about what the Lord is doing in this age, what he wants to do with us, and how it will all turn out. Um, he talks about the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. What's the difference in the church and the kingdom? What is, why does Revelation talk about the Lord's need right now for overcomers? What's the role of overcomers in God's up-to-date move today? And how we can usher in the kingdom and bring in the turn of the age and what God needs to do that. The uh, name of the book is The Glorious Church, and it's absolutely free. Somebody who cares about you has already paid for it. You can start reading it right now online while your free copy and hard copy is en route to you. Go to bfa.org. That stands for Bibles for America. bfa.org, and ask them to send you a copy of one of uh, Watchman Nee's very significant works, The Glorious Church. And he, there's another dear brother who prayed for you and I for 20 years while being in a cage provided by the Chinese communist. And I believe he was praying that, just like it says in Hebrews 11 and 12, that we would go on. One of those clouds of witnesses that are, have passed the baton to us. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? Just be Americans that live a few decades, enjoy the benefits of American luxury, or do we have a higher view, respond to a higher calling, and stand on the shoulders of people like John Bunyan and Watchman Nee. As they say in tennis, you've heard it before, the ball's in our court. What are we going to do with it? We're going to take a break and uh, come back with some uh, more good news. 
Doug Apple will take care of that. We'll be right back. My name is Mary. I am assistant professor at Florida State University. I enjoy teaching and research on campus. As a researcher, I have many discoveries. But the biggest discovery is the fact that I have a human spirit. Whenever I call, Oh Lord Jesus, I get the response of this wonderful person, the eternal God, right in my spirit. I am happy living in the presence of the Lord. I invite you to experience this unspeakable joy by calling on Him from deep within your spirit and your heart. This is Lowell Jackson with a a very special invitation and opportunity for you. So pay attention, please. You've heard us talk a lot on Wave 94 about Tallahassee Christian College and Training Center, how it is available to all believers who just want to grow in the Lord, enjoy the Lord more, and get more into His Word. Well, there's an open house coming up. You are welcome. Just stop by in the afternoon on Tuesday, December the 10th, 4.30 until 6.30. As they say, just drop in. Uh, You'll meet many of the very accommodating staff members of the college. Some of the instructors will be there. You can uh, walk around and see the facilities. You can stroll through the probably the best theological biblical library in this part of the country and uh, ask any questions that you want. Be some refreshments, a great opportunity for you to just look into the possibilities for you at Tallahassee Christian College and Training Center. That'll be Tuesday, December 10 at 430 It's located on Hermitage Boulevard, 1717 Hermitage Boulevard. That's my favorite shortcut between Thomasville Road and Capitol Circle just before you get to I-10. 1717 Hermitage Boulevard, Tuesday, December 10. Very, very accommodating, easy way for you to uh, look into Tallahassee Christian College and Training Center and see if it may be for you. So as they say down south, y'all come. Thank you, Doug Apple, for making it so easy for us to get together with fellow believers and uh, have fellowship. Isn't it wonderful just to be under the throne that's described in Revelation 22, be in the, the flow that comes from the throne, and be taking the street, the way of the, of God's direction. Uh, I want to give you some really good news and have you to prayerfully consider and maybe even take some action about some things uh, coming up with our friends over at Tallahassee Christian College and Training Center. Uh, on Tuesday, December the 10th, 4.30 until 6.30, you are invited to come by and, you know, do what they 
car dealers accuse you and I of kicking the tires. You can come by and walk around the place and meet some folks and look at the facilities, ask any questions that you have, stroll through their uh, library, just uh, come on over. Again, that's Tuesday, December the 10th at 4.30. Very convenient location. It's 1717 Hermitage Boulevard. And that's a lovely parkway that, of course, is my favorite uh, shortcut between Thomasville Road and Capitol Circle just before you get to uh, I-10. 1717, not visible from the street, but in a lovely uh, office park. Your GPS will take you right to the back of the office park to this particular building. 1717 Hermitage Boulevard. And again, that's Tuesday, December the 10th, 4.30 until 6.30. You'll meet some nice folks, uh, have some refreshments, uh, look around the place, uh, ask about some of the seminars and courses that are coming up uh, after the first of the year. So it's a unique opportunity to uh, look into it further and uh, see how the Lord would lead you and meet the staff and all the folks over there at um, Tallahassee Christian College and Training Center. I want to give you a preview of some of the courses that are coming up in the winter-spring term. And let me again adjust your concepts. You might say, well, I... You know, college. I don't want to go through applying to college, and I've been there, done that, or it's not for me. This is, as the president have, has told us, it's uh, like a buffet. You go through and pick what you want, what meets your need, what you're interested in, the area of your life where you want to grow. With, And it's based on God's Word. Many different professionals teach these classes. They're very affordable. You don't even have to uh, take it for credit. If you're not interested in a degree, degree, no problem. You can audit the class. It's even much, um, much less expensive. And they'll even work with you, of course, on the finances. One of the um, classes that I'm most familiar with and will be very much involved with is called Enjoying the Bible, or Really Enjoying the Bible. This is going to be a a little different approach than what you might be used to. It's going to be on Monday evenings at 6 p.m. for 10 Monday evenings. So if you've got flexibility in your schedule or in your responsibilities on Monday evenings, I think you would enjoy this uh, course called Enjoying the Bible, no pun intended. Um, it is good to study the Bible, and the scriptures do tell us that that is an admirable quality. But the Bible is more than just an academic source, an academic book. You remember the Lord had the biggest problem with the Bible scholars. Uh, So we have to be careful that we don't just treat the scriptures as a manual, as a history book, um, as a lesson book. Um, There's some very unusual things the Bible says about itself. Way back in Jeremiah, the prophet said, I found your words and I did eat them. Now, that's something you don't do with too many books, right? 
the Lord Jesus said, the words that I speak to you are spirit and our life. Our spirit and our life. It has a big difference in the result depending on how we approach the Bible. Are we going to read it like we would a novel, a history book? Um, are we going to read it as a source of ethics, good behavior? Well, we're not demeaning these, but maybe there's a higher way. And what we're going to do in this particular class is to see that there's a difference between two kinds of W-O-R-D. Again, we're limited by our English language. But in the Greek New Testament, there is one word for the word, which is logos. That's the, uh, the word that's mentioned in John chapter 1, the logos. That means the constant written word. It's solid. It's reliable. It's true. It doesn't change. It is constant. And then there's another word in the Greek New Testament for word. It's rhema. Rhema. And it means the instant, up-to-date word. The instant speaking and what we see from the scriptures and the Lord himself speaking about his speaking, about his word, is that there is a mysterious cooperation between the written word and the spirit. Um, that is so crucial to the word being more than just a book, to the Bible being more than just a book. The Lord Jesus himself said, I've come that you might have the bread of life. So we um, have to approach the Bible in an additional way. We still honor the history. We still respect all of the, um, the, the teachings that ch change our behavior. But it's far more than that. And what we're going to do in this particular course, again, this is a Monday night course going for 10 weeks. Um, we're going to look into how John Wesley approached God's word. Uh, what a reformer recovering instrument he was. You know, I went to John Wesley's apartment in uh, London. It's been set aside as kind of a little, uh, a little museum. He just had a, a, a bedroom there um, in the uh, upper part of the uh, second story in London, London, England. And beside his bed was a little uh, kneeling rail, about two or three feet wide, a uh, little place for his knees to go. And um, on his, he would kneel there. There was a little tray. And on that tray, he could open up the scriptures and uh, we'll get into John Wesley's testimony that he learned to take the words of Scripture and pray over them, which allows a processing from our mind in through our spirit and back into a understanding 
that uh, we would call light. We'll also uh, look into the testimony of Martin Luther. We'll look into the testimony of John Calvin, John Nelson Darby, who authored one of the very best translations still. We will look into the testimony of Billy Graham. Not too many people know that Billy Graham started as a very young man, as a Youth for Christ speaker. And um, he and another gentleman by the name of uh, Charles Templeton, a young Canadian, were traveled around the country doing evangelistic meetings for Youth for Christ. And about that time, the so-called modernist movement came along in the 50s, really questioning miracles, questioning whether the scriptures were um, other, anything other than just myth. And um, Charles Templeton took the bait. And uh, he lost his confidence in the reliability of the scripture. And it was a difficult time for this young preacher from North Carolina named William Franklin Graham. And he agonized over all of these uh, so-called theologians and scientists that were saying the scriptures were unreliable. And Billy Graham struggled, prayed, struggled and prayed, struggled and prayed, and finally, in a, uh, a lonely uh, experience in a youth camp, he cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, I'm going to trust your word. I trust its reliability. I believe it. And I'm going to proclaim it. And if you listen to Billy Graham's sermons, and he is now has a little channel where you can hear those sermons on Sirius XM, I think it's channel 400 and something, the most common phrase in Billy Graham's preaching starts with three words. The Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. And as I watched him in stadiums with no media assistance, just a man that you could barely see down there somewhere around second base. with a Bible in his hand, telling tens of thousands of people very authoritatively because he would just give them the scripture that made the point. And the authority came from the Word of God. We're also going to uh, look at George Mueller, George Whitfield, some of the early church fathers that you may not have ever heard of, even uh, see what the Apostle Paul says. And we'll see how these dear ones that we somehow think of as spiritual giants, uh, how they really enjoyed, incorporated, digested, and became constituted with the Scripture and the difference that it made in their life. And because it made a difference in their life, 
they were able to make a difference in the generation, in the people, the opportunities, the ministry that was before them. So I would encourage you to uh, consider this particular class, whether you want to do it for credit or just do it as an audit where you come and uh, enjoy the journey with us. It's called Really Enjoying the Bible. We're going to go further than Bible study. We're going to go at the Bible in the way of nourishment, in the way of experiencing instantaneous light, or what's called the rhema. Um, a friend of mine explained it one day uh, like a peanut. Strange analogy, right? But he says, you know, the, if you're en enjoying a peanut, what you've got to do is crack it open, go from the shell to the, the meat of the nut. And he explained the analogy with saying, you know, the words on the page the letters on the page, the sentences on the page are like the shell. We've got to learn to break open the print and touch the spirit that's in the word. And we can do that if we learn how to pray over, digest, assimilate, masticate, whatever word you want to use, the word and have it become part of us. Um, that's a Monday night class, and uh, you can find out more information on it by going to the TCC website, which is tcctc.org. That's tcctc.org. To help you remember all those C's, that's just short for Tallahassee Christian College and Training Center or you can give them a call at 513-1000, 513-1000. And they have some kind of early bird special going on that'll uh, save you a little bit of the very reasonable, already reasonable uh, tuition. Uh, really encourage you to look into that. Really enjoying the Bible. Monday nights, 10 weeks at uh, Tallahassee Christian College and Training Center. This is Lowell Jackson. We've been enjoying fellowship. Thank you, Doug Apple. We'll see you again tomorrow.